Listening to Skip Intro, I'm Lee Chui Lin in the studio with me today, Ian McNally, Bahe Yusuf, and Julian Yap. Um, and we are doing something a little bit different today. We are looking at TV alters, um, or, or rather, <laughs> let, let me clarify, uh, TV alters, um, you know, just kind of people who have a very specific point of view, who have been uh, typically showrunners of, you know, a couple of shows where you can recognize their fingerprints all over the different things that they've done. And it kind of is an interesting one because uh, there are a few where in the, are we still in peak TV? We're still in peak TV. Yeah, I think yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah? okay. I mean, we don't, we don't feel like Apple. it. Until VR TV mm. takes off. I mean, there's Apple's coming. Uh, Let Disney Plus Disney come out with Loki coming, and so. be up there again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we're already. Tom Hiddleston marks the end of peak TV yeah. for you, That's is the it? the start of peak TV. <laughs> so, we are still peak TVing. Um, so, we thought we'd just kind of run through what we mean when we think about the term, uh, because admittedly, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a coin for the purpose of the show term. Um, and also just. An opportunity to talk about our favorites. Um, I think, Bahe, you want to go? Sure, I could go first. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, the uh, this uh, I this is just a personal preference thing. I actually don't think he's... Uh, what's the word I'm looking I don't know. I think Otter, in the definition that you gave, Lynn, was very good in the sense that he his style is very recognizable as, as it. So for me, it's Aaron Sokin. It will have to be and always will be Aaron Sokin. <laughs> there is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're seventh in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, third in median household income, number four in labor force, and number four in exports. We lead the world in only three categories. Number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending, where we spend more than the next 26 countries combined, 25 of whom are allies. Now, none of this is the fault of a 20-year-old college student, but you nonetheless are, without a doubt, a member of the worst period, generation period ever, period. So when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what you're talking about. I just like the, I like his, I like what he writes about, I guess, in a lot of ways. I like his... Um, characters? Characters, yes, but also just the... I think for me, that was the first adult television I started watching. Mm. Right? This was in the age of people trying to still do Friends and, and all that stuff. And I stumbled across The West Wing. And that, that, that show being how it treats the audience not as dummies, but as people who, who want to learn about the political system. I know more about the American political system, about, you know, about filibusters, about Congress, about their election procedure, about their political process, how to pass bills, how the ambassador gets sworn in. I know a lot more about all of that than I do about Malaysian stuff, yeah. right? <laughs> like, to me, every four years is a reminder about how the West Wing sort of educated me because every four years, the greatest TV show on earth comes back, which is the American <laughs> elections. Um, so... So I like that. He's got, 
I will admit he is very cringy. His writing is very cringy. But he has a writing style. He's like got it's, a it's writing style. Lots of words and very lots quickly, of, uh, quickly but yeah. smartly and like yeah. banter. Yeah, yeah. And people are usually moving while and, while yeah. speaking those yes, words. The, the patented walk and yeah. talk. Although, although I mean, technically, it's not. That's not Aaron Sorkin. That's actually the uh, produ- the other producer at the time. I can't remember his name at the Who moment. Who created that? Yeah, it How? was actually him because okay. he was like, "Hey, you know, we've got this beautiful West Wing set." Why do we do scenes here and then move the camera over there? Why don't we just sort of walk them? Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. But I, I love me some Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> I have to say, though, Aaron Sorkin isn't for everyone. It's oh, no, not completely. for every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, you know, it's adult TV. It's the mm. Matthew Weiner sort of TV where mm. it's long form. Mm. And I don't know how much can you, you know, base an entire over um, of work mm. on that kind of style. You're yeah. going to run out of steam at some point. Mm. Not I, yet, though. Not yet. But no, I didn't but I th- enjoy the newsroom that much. Mm. So I think, I think for me, the problem with the newsroom was that it was very much a response to... The newsroom felt very defensive. Yeah. Mm. He, he felt it felt like a very defensive television show about about how we must respect journalists, how we must respect the news, how the uh, what you call it, the third state, fourth state, fourth state, sorry, yes, how how the, those should be respected and how that is important to a governing to a politic political system, democracy, blah 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 blah, and it was very much a response. So it felt very defensive. I he also had it. like a democratic president during a republican. Presidency, right in the real world. For which on the West Wing. For the West Wing. Well, for the wasn't West it, Wing, wasn't it Bartlett during Bush? Bush, but it started at the end of Clinton. Ah, yeah. So mm. when I think of Aaron Sorkin, um, so Julian and I were having a conversation earlier about someone that's on both our lists, yes. um, and I think she's sort of a response in a way to mm. to Aaron Sorkin in a sense, and it's Shonda Rhimes, mm-hmm. who has a very specific style, yeah. Um, yeah. who also has to pick me. Choose me, yeah, yeah, love yeah. me yeah, yeah, style yeah. of you're my person, yeah. you know, who also has a particular way with words, mm. who also enjoys um, displaying certain types of relationships. And I, I feel like there's a similarity there in terms of the, the kinds of uh, emotional drama yeah. that they both like to play yeah, with, yeah. The, the speechifying, mm. also a very big thing. But, um, but her style of shows are not at all overtly political. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not. And they are more digestible, obviously, not because of the content. You know, it, the characters, it is high drama. Uh, it is life drama. It's work drama. It's it, weather drama. It's weather drama. <laughs> weather drama? <laughs> so much weather so drama. Much weather. <laughs> she loves that weather drama. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's kind of the way that she balances humor and humor in everyday life while you balance that everyday life drama mm. that kind of makes it a little bit more digestible, more weeknight TV, even if you look at something like Scandal or How to Get Away with Murder, the characters, I think, are a little bit more relatable. You know, obviously not the president of the United States, but I have always enjoyed a lot of Shonda Rhimes' shows. And she's such a force in an industry that doesn't have many women TV showrunners or Mm. TV auteurs. Mm. So it's kind of upsetting to see that you know, there's this one woman. I mean, it's, it's incredible to see this one woman doing all of this, but there's only, you know, one woman who's doing all of this. She's a one-woman industry, but unfortunately, she is the one-woman exactly. industry. Yeah. So the reason why I kind of link the two is because I feel like whether you're watching a Sorkin or a Rhymes character, you know that that's what they are. Mm. So it almost feels as if uh, Shonda Rhimes uh, could be, you know, Grey's Anatomy getting away with murder in Scandal Land. And everybody talks the same. Like, mm. like they occupy sort of a, the same Shonda Rhimes. 
same universe almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a reason why it's, you know, the Shondaland. Shondaland yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, and it really feels that way. And it's interesting because it's not exactly a visual point of view. I don't think that there are like visual cues mm. or even... Um, Colors or anything like that. It's they stand purely, still when they're talking, do they? It's the writing. But yeah. it's the writing, yeah. yeah. And I think that's the, and I think that's sort of the, the the thing that draws those two sort of personalities or styles together, right? The writing is strong. It's, you know, yeah. It's 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 the writing. It's you you can you put it on an audio and you can you know who wrote that. You know, it's that sort of recognizable immediately. I have five rules. Memorize them. Rule number one: Don't bother sucking up. I already hate you. That's not going to change. Trauma protocol, phoneless pagers. Nurses will page you. You answer every page at a run. A run, that's rule number two. Your first shift starts now and lasts 48 hours. On call rooms, attendings hog them. Sleep when you can, where you can. Which brings me to rule number three. If I'm sleeping, don't wake me unless your patient is actually dying. Rule number four, the dying patient better not be dead when I get there. Not only will you have killed someone, you would have woke me for no good reason. We clear? Rule number five, when I move, you move. Get out of my way! As a twist of fate, I've not seen any of the Shonda Rhyme shows at all. I'm, I cannot stand Shonda Rhyme shows. <laughs> no, but that's the thing yeah. about an author. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you either it's either you are in or, or you're not, right? Mm, yeah. and which which is a good one for me to start with. I think I've heard good things enough about I don't want to watch Grey's Anatomy. I, don't think, I think Grey's Anatomy is still going on. Yeah. Like yes, 11, it is. Really? Oh, God. No. It is. People yeah. have died. People have left. People have had cancer. <laughs> <laughs> it's just there's a lot. Yeah. Um, so is it? I think How to Get Away with Murder is on some streaming services. That's a good place. Is that a good place I to start? I think so. Just because Violet Davis is just so incredible and she just draws you in. The story is, it's, you know, it's a Shonda Rhyme story. It, mm. it brings in a lot of different people and the drama in their personal lives and intertwines them really well in the central murder subplot, which is just great. And, you know, just watch it for Viola Davis, really. We're talking today about TV authors. And in case you're wondering what we mean by that, not usually a term that's kind of bandied about, but we're talking about those specific sorts of showrunners who have had a couple of shows under their belt where you just know this is that person's show. Um, do you have your favourites? Uh, do, you, do you actually kind of follow people through that and will watch different TV shows based on who's show running, if at all. Uh, WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. Tweet us at SkipIntroMY and write us at movies at bfm.my. Bodacious, fabulous minds. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, you are listening to Skip Intro with Lynn, Ian Bahe and Julian. We're talking today about our favourite TV authors or just TV author dumb in general, just the very concept of it. Um, and uh, earlier we talked about the deeply emotional, talky worlds of Aaron Sorkin and Shonda Rhimes. Um, Ian, what you got? Uh, I went for Benioff and Weiss. Just kidding. No, I didn't. But thinking about the Game of Thrones showrunners got me looking at a lot of shows I like and trying to put them together with some kind of auteur behind them. And just looking at so many of them who were hailed as auteurs and then went completely off the rails. Like if you look at Chris Carter in The X-Files, even uh, Morgan and Wong who sped off, spun off from The X-Files and did other shows as well. And it's like, for me, I couldn't pick one from now that essentially hasn't jumped the shark. Mm. And, you know, because I'm also a troll and it's a bit, um, I'm trash essentially, I couldn't help but think about someone like Glenn A. Larson from the 80s and 70s. Knight Rider, a 
shadowy flight into the dangerous world of a man who does not exist. Glenn A. Larson was uh, the kind of involved in the development of Six Million Dollar Man, Battlestar Galactica, The Fall Guy. I think he worked on about Book Rogers in the 25th Century, Magnum P.I., uh, Automan, Manimal, and The Highwayman. And they all are just great trash. Okay. <laughs> okay, because I was going to go, like, that's not, <laughs> I, that's not an Emmy-winning list right no, there, my it's friend. No, but it's, he's an author in that, you know, he took really kind of, not bargain basement ideas, but, like, he really just grabbed onto ideas and ran with them, even, mm. like, Manimal. He's mm. a man who can turn into an animal. What? That's what it's about? That's animal? what it's about. It's title, Julian. <laughs> Come on. Doi, doi. <laughs> I mean, some of our older listeners might remember these. Shows. I think Manimal was one or two seasons. Auto Man was like a living, it was basically a Tron ripoff. But they had a Lamborghini that could turn at 90 degree angles because it was technically a computer program. Isn't Knight Rider also a car show? So Knight Rider was, uh, I got these stuck together in my head as well because um, nowadays we have, every production company seems to have their animated logo at the end of the com- at the yep. end of the credits. And one of the first ones that seemed to do this was Stephen J. Cannell's company where he would like type on the keyboard and pull a paper up and throw it over oh, his yeah, head. Oh yeah, I know that one. And it would fall on a stack of papers and then form the C logo. Yeah, yeah, I know that one. From when I was seven. From seven. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen J. Cannell is another one of these guys from the time. And again, they're just kind of, there's a few gems in there that will come back. Stephen J. Cannell did The A-Team, without which we wouldn't have the great movie. The Greatest American Hero, The Rockford Files. He worked on Ironside and Columbo. Each of these guys has like 40 to 50 credits of like TV shows they got made. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of which are things like Renegade with Lorenzo Lamas, which is now just like lampooned as one of the like, (laughs) they're like the nadir of the, he's a guy who helps people shows. Like, you know, Knight Rider has a car, the A-team are ex-criminals. This guy is on a motorbike and has long hair. That's kind of it. It was a it was a simpler time. It in was t- a much in TV time. land. You know what we're talking earlier about peak TV. This Correct. is not peak TV. <laughs> yes. This is the valley thinking. of TV. Yeah. This is right there at the bottom. Um, but you know what? Look, I think but when you have a career that spends that long yeah, and yeah. you crank out like fifty to sixty shows, I'm thinking, yeah, David Simon's had a good run with four or five shows, or yeah, but maybe what's he the should fingerprint? Have stopped. Huh? What's the fingerprint? The fingerprint, like, what's... For, the fingerprint for Glenn Arson is like B movie. It's like I'm gonna make yeah. a B movie mm. TV show. B movie TV show. Stephen J. Cannell was more. Or we're doing something crimey, but we'll variations. We'll, we'll on make it, it sexy. Because we'll he was also cool. pretty, yeah. Yeah. he was also uh, involved with Twenty One Jump Street, the original yeah. TV show. Yeah, so you can see that it's that pushing of the boundary, I guess. I mean, if you're gonna talk, okay. So this is now we're going into land of just generally author showrunner creators, right? Mm. Like I can I can put down money and say that this guy's the training one of our off. favorites, Mark Burnett. Thirty three thousand two hundred hours of television he's produced. Mm. So, like, look, Mark Burnett. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Fifth grader. Shark Tank, The Voice, Beat, Shazam. Not including The Apprentice, Survivor. The all the combination of survivors. Uh, it's crazy. He's master of the cliffhang. Go to ad. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> like, that, that's really what Just, it is. That's what it is. It's right? like one person going actually. It was me. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. So who are we going to vote off the island? Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. That, it's just that's that, the Mark the Burnett thing. It's mm. the it's the it's that trashy reality TV show that you can't not watch. It's a car crash of a TV show, mm. but it will still win reality TV awards, and you'll watch it and you'll keep going. 
And there is a question of who does the title auteur apply to? Because you yeah. usually think of, you know, like French new wave cinemakers yeah. when oh, you think no, of that. Oh, no, I don't think so. I mean, um, earlier when we were talking about 80s things, um, <laughs> I, I was thinking of like um, Ed Wood and, you know, someone like that who was sort of thought of as like the worst filmmaker mm, of all yeah. time, but who is unmistakably an auteur. Like yeah. just because you don't like what they have yeah. to say doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. mean that they don't, they it's, aren't saying it very I strongly. Think, I think to go back to what you were saying earlier, earlier, Lynn, that definition is probably the best one, right? The uh, the kind of writer, producer, creator of a, mm. of a show that just by style, you know who it is almost, mm. right? It's that just by, yeah, just by style, you know that that's who it is. But it is a term that's not really applied to comedies. And actually, mm. when we were talking about the show, uh, Lynn, you brought up Michael Schur, and that was like, I was like, oh, yeah. And then looking through his list, I mean, he's over the hump with two to three shows for me. Mm. And like, there is a good-naturedness and fun to those shows that is not like punching down if you're talking about like Parks I love Parks and Rec so much that I haven't watched the final season because I don't want them to end The Good Place is fantastic Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a warm blanket that is so nice to snuggle up in I haven't seen the comeback I've heard good things about that he was a co-producer on that as well and the office, and, uh, yeah, and, and the he, office yeah. yeah. Um, but and I was thinking about Mike Sher because um, nine, nine. I think kind of the big thing, aside from the good naturedness, aside from the fact that it's like just an essentially warm, fuzzy world that he lives in, where mm. people are essentially good, even the criminals are kind of like, ha, ha, you know. And, and there's a little bit of that. Um, but the main thing I've noticed about this, and I think it's actually kind of weird and great. Um, Mike Sher does workplace comedies in which people are good at their jobs. Mm. Nobody does mm. that. Yeah. Mm. Um, everyone's really capable. Like, um, I mean, the office aside, but even then, it's like, oh, turns out Michael Scott is like a stealth, really great manager. You didn't right. know. Yeah. But like... Um, I was confused for the first season of 9-9 because I was like, this is like the worst procedural ever because it's just like, here's the crime and they just solve it. They just cut out all the investigation yeah. stuff yeah. and just do workplace things instead. They're really good at yeah. it. Like, yeah. they're good... They're good investigators um, if you look at Parks and Rec like everybody's great you genuinely believe Leslie Nope is someday going to be the president yes. like, and it's, a, it's just a rarity because mm. most of the time workplace comedies are based on like ineptitude incompetence, incompetence yeah. Yeah. Um, or like dead end jobs but that's not his world mm. and I think that's part of what makes it satisfying because you're not watching doofuses being doofuses all mm. the time Yeah, I love this town and when you love something you don't threaten it you don't punish it you fight for it. You take care of it. As your city councillor, I will make sure that no one takes advantage of Pawnee. If I seem too passionate, it's because I care. And if I come on strong, it's because I feel strongly. And if I push too hard, it's because things aren't moving fast enough. This is my home. You are my family. And I promise you, I'm not going anywhere. Holy shit, Leslie, that was awesome. So going off of that kind of good-naturedness of Michael Schur, I think one of my favorite TV shows in, of all time is Pushing Daisies and Dead Like Me. Mm. And these are these were created by Brian Fuller. And uh, we know Brian Fuller today for Hannibal and recently Star Trek Discovery and American Gods. But before, and for not finishing things. And for never, ever <laughs> finishing things. Or even getting his shows canceled when they shouldn't be canceled because they're, you know, incredible. Yeah. But... I don't know, a show like Pushing Daisies where every all the colors in it are so saturated. It's um, all the set pieces. They, don't, they, they simultaneously don't feel like set pieces, but they do. Mm. The pie doesn't look real, but it is real. Yeah. There's a formula to that show that yeah. just, but it's like, you don't mind the formula. You don't mind, you don't mind the voiceover talking about the pie man and everything because yeah. it's so filled with charm. There's like I, a little bit of whimsy where there typically wouldn't be whimsy. And that's the same in... 
Michael Schur shows, I think. Yeah, and I think I think whimsy is a perfect description of Pushing Daisies, I think. It's, mm. Have you seen Brian Fuller's, uh, one of his earlier shows called uh, Wonderfalls? No, but that was I the... love that. Wonderfalls <laughs> is amazing. I loved Wonderfalls. Yeah. It broke my heart that I never found out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's I, I can't, the, that's, I still... that's the one with the talking ornaments, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, but that, it was but so much more than that. Wonderful yeah, <laughs> is, that. is, uh-huh. is beautiful, and that yeah. was the lead up to pushing days. I, I think Brian Fuller has got a really wonderful way of telling a, a, a really strange story, mm-hmm. and I think that even that that definition falls, sort of works with something like Hannibal. Yeah, which is, you know you watch it and you go that guy's a murderer, but I really like him. It's really, <laughs> it's also really pretty. Like, why is yeah. this murder so pretty? Yeah, it's oh. just like everything's gorgeous. But I think he's, he seems to have the J.J. Abrams problem now, which is just like here is all the pies you can have. You can own, you're allowed, but you're only allowed one of them because it's like he's on Discovery and then he leaves before it starts. Yeah, um, I, uh, but I don't know if that's him or if he's yeah. It's, oh yeah, I, no, it's, yeah. But it's bad luck. because he, yeah, he's, he's got luck, American think, Gods yeah. and then he's on American Gods and now he's off American. Oh, off American Gods. Yeah, I think it's a lot of bad Bad luck with him, man. And like Hannibal was constantly on the verge of cancellation and yeah. they were coming back and forth yeah, like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it sucks to be that talented. He's just great enough. at creating really good cult things that just you never get satisfaction of. But I think I'm wondering if I would have wanted seven seasons of Pushing Daisies. That's I, true. I do, but at the same time, I don't know where that point of You'll him... watch it for one weekend and never return to it for another seven years and then you'll come back to it. Or yeah. Just an ending would be good. Um, well, um, speaking of endings... We are at the end of our particular episode. But, um, you know, we have kind of been quite American-centric. Um, so if you do know of others, I mean, if you have um, if you have just the names that go before the shows that you tend to just really enjoy, really like, um, tell us what they are. Who are your favourite showrunners? Who are your favourite TV authors? Uh, WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. Tweet us at SkipIntroMY and write to us at movies at bfm.my. 